When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant's flagship podcast. I am Josh Dooley, and with me, as always, he is the DJ Paul to my Juicy J, the one, the only, Chuck Holmes. Chuck, what's happening? How you feeling? And more importantly, how successful was the apple-picking excursion you went on during Ohio State's bye weekend? So for those of you not familiar with Columbus, Ohio, this past weekend, it was about 1,100 degrees this weekend. Uh, It (laughs) was the hottest weekend in the history of Ohio. So we passed on pumpkin patch apple picking. It's okay, though. I'm going to have plenty of Sundays the rest of the fall to go because I'll be damned if I'm going to watch a single second of a Bengals game until they get their heads squarely out of their butts. So opportunities will abound that will not hinder my college football viewing pleasures. Yeah, the Sundays have been tough. You know, Chuck and I are both huge Cincinnati Bengals fans. And I mean, I think it's all driven by Burrow. That offense revolves around him and he's a statue back there. He can't move. So it's been tough. Defense has been out on the field a ton and guys are getting hurt left and right. But I haven't given up hope yet. I'm, I still have my Sundays booked out through October. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Like one in five is mid-October. We, we're probably good, but I'd like to see how it goes through the bye week. But this week is officially week six of the college football season, which is sort of crazy to think about. And Chuck and I are going to preview the Buckeyes home game against Maryland in just a little bit. But first, partner, I actually want to revisit our preseason contenders, pretenders, and bottom feeders and sort of break down the current state of the Big Ten as well as the conference standings. We don't need to go back and list teams by category that we did during uh, the preseason, but let's focus on big picture and maybe a few surprises. The three giants, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, are all still standing, a combined 14-0. Joining those traditional blue bloods at the top is Maryland. Interestingly enough, the Terps are 5-0, and we will obviously get to them in a few minutes. But the rest of the conference, Chuck, is sort of a mixed bag of mediocre stuff. Would you agree? Like Rutgers, Wisconsin, and Iowa each have one loss. Minnesota has two. And then a whopping six teams have the same identical two and three overall record, including Illinois, a team that won eight games and led the country in scoring defense last season. I guess, do you think the powers that be should 
let OSU, Michigan, Penn State, and Maryland have a round robin like Final Four tournament to determine the conference champ? Like, are we even considering other teams right now? Does the West are they required to participate in the Big Ten championship? One more year, right? That's all we've got yeah. to put up with this crap for. That being said, I don't think Maryland, I know they're 4-0. They don't, they still don't belong in that group. But if you told me. 5-0, uh, 5-0. Oh, 5-0. I'm sorry. You're right. 5-0. My, my mistake. If you told me that we could just play three more weeks and then let those three teams, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, just play in a round robin at the end of the year, I'd be good with it. We'll call that a season, and we'll see everybody wherever we may end up bowl-wise once the three teams go come to blows. Because Wisconsin being 3-1, and one, Iowa being 4-1, who cares? Neither of them have shown anything, and there is not a chance. Can you imagine... In a scenario, Iowa makes the Big Ten title game against Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State's defense. Like, can you imagine? Especially, and, and this pains me to say, Michigan's probably got the best defense of the three. All three are really good, but I do think theirs is probably the best. They may not get a yard. Like, Kate McNamara may cry by the end of the day. Brian Ferentz will just start packing at half. He will definitely cry because <laughs> he's going to be unemployed and never be able to get another college job. It'll be the meme, Chuck, where like the, the guys like crying or blowing his nose into money. That will be Brian <laughs> Ferentz. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the it's been this way since the start of the East and West divisions. It There's no other way for the divisions to go out as like this with a whimper with a shit West division team that may be nine and three, but couldn't beat the top three teams in the East division. If you played them all 10 times, that's sort of where I'm at. <clears throat> we look at Wisconsin and Iowa. I still think Wisconsin's going to get better, but they have not impressed by any stretch of the imagination. And then, yeah, Iowa, they're gross. Like, there wasn't a whole lot on, and I watched a lot of their game against Michigan State. I don't what know hell why. What is your problem? Yeah, what is your problem? Good yeah. Lord. You just I guess I just, you're a masochist at heart. I just wanted to watch some other Big Ten football, and I hadn't sat down and really, like, watched uh, an entire game. So I watched a lot of that, and the thing that's crazy about them is they can't block. For years, that's what Iowa – the one thing they could do on offense was block and throw to tight ends. And obviously, Luke Lachey being out hurts their tight end usage, but they can't block, which means they can't run, and they sure as shit can't throw. They've never been able to, even when they brought in the round mound of rebound or whoever their backup was. He's a unit. Deacon Hill, Dax Hill, whatever his name is. Um, they actually let him throw the ball around a little bit. I don't know if that's going to be a long-term thing. I haven't seen the extent or severity of McNamara's injury, but yeah, it's ugly. And to your point, you match them up against a team in the East. And I think it's slaughterhouse rules, no matter who they play. Uh, maybe even Maryland. I don't know if they're on the schedule again this year, like they were a couple of years ago. But <clears throat> let, let me ask you this though. Who is, who or what is your biggest surprise 
thus far, good or bad? I think Illinois is a surprise. I did I didn't think they were gonna be bad. And I just I know they're two and three, but they just have not been impressive at all. To me, I thought they would be in the four and one range at this point. Uh, Maryland being five and zero is impressive. I don't care what anybody says. I know they haven't really got to the meat of their schedule, but for you to five and zero is five and zero. That's impressive to me. Uh, Michigan State couldn't be more flaccid, and it's kind of embarrassing for them. I know we didn't think they were going to be good, good, but I didn't think they were going to be this bad. And Northwestern having two wins is kind of crazy. I, w- I, I didn't know that they were going to get two wins to begin with. Now, they could still end up 2-10, and ten, but that comeback uh, that they had a couple weeks ago against our boy, PJ, it was like Dave Braun should be applauded for having his team be able to do that because you don't, if you don't have buy-in from your team, you can't pull off something like that. So he obviously has those boys playing hard. And that, to me, that, that part of it, they already had a talent deficiency. So for him to have them actually winning games at all is impressive. Kind of sucks. You focused on two of my three, but I will elaborate for me. It is the two teams in Illinois. I mentioned the fighting Illini earlier. I, I guess they just flat out stink now. You know, without Ryan Walters in that tremendous secondary that they had last year, Bielema's boys are giving up 31 points per game. They're ranked number 103 out of 133 in scoring defense. And the offense is even worse at 21.5 points per game. I think they rank number uh, 105 in scoring offense. So, you know, those defensive linemen, Jerzon Newton and Keith Randolph Jr., they're both really good. But it seems like Ryan Walters was the straw that stirred that drink. He and Purdue just put it on his old team by a score of 44-19. to 19. And Illinois' only wins are over Toledo and Florida Atlantic by a total of eight points. They beat Toledo by two, Florida Atlantic by six. And, you know, the Illini couldn't stop anybody, or they couldn't score last year. Now they can't stop anybody, which just compounds the problem. And on the flip side, yeah, just a few hours away from Champaign, you've got the Wildcats, the Northwestern Wildcats, with an actual pulse. I still think they finish 4-8. and eight. You said they could finish 2-10, and 10, but they play Howard this weekend. I think they get that one. But kudos to David Braun for just getting this team and this program to compete. Big comeback against Minnesota, like you said. They get Howard, like I said. And then I think they at least have a shot against Nebraska after that. Maybe even Purdue and Illinois. I'm just impressed that they are getting out there and playing their butts off, given what the program went through this summer. But I'll throw I'll throw a third one out there. You said you were surprised at Michigan State's ineptitude. I'll, I'll throw Nebraska out there. A lot of ballyhoo, a lot of celebrating going on when they brought in Matt Rule off of a, a dreadful NFL stint with the Panthers. I know he's turned programs around before, and I know that at Temple and Baylor, they won a game or two during his first season, so Nebraska could maybe do the same thing. Nebraska sucks. 
Like, they have no talent. They brought in a quarterback who has a bunch of experience, but I don't know if they didn't watch him at Georgia Tech. He wasn't good there, couldn't throw the ball. I know he got banged up, and they've got the new kid, but Nebraska's awful. And I don't know if Matt Rule's name means as much as it did pre-Carolina Panthers. So I'll throw Nebraska in there as my third surprise. It's been quite the poo-poo platter of those West teams. And boy, if he couldn't get transfers rolling this first year, you feel like Nebraska is going to have to be one of those teams that gets some transfers. And I guess maybe he could start developing some guys and they end up being the, the scenario where they don't play until they're juniors, but then they're good. But who sticks around until they're a junior without playing anymore? So if he didn't, uh, he obviously couldn't fix the quarterback spot. There were only 3,500 quarterbacks available this year, and he didn't get a good one. So if he can't get a good quarterback, I don't think anything else is going to matter for him. Would you agree with that? Like, there's nothing else you can do with Jeff. It doesn't matter. You could have the Jim Knowles defense that the Buckeyes currently have, which Nebraska is never going to have that much talent on defense, and they'd still only be three and two. They wouldn't even be but four and one. Like they would be one more win, maybe, with that bum at quarterback. So I, I think he's in trouble. You thought he was going to have to start quick, bring in some transfers. They missed on the quarterback. Who the hell's going to come in next year? They're going to have to get another transfer. So I guess if he nails the transfer quarterback he gets next year, maybe Spencer Rattler's coming back for a ninth year or something, and he can transfer <laughs> to him or. God, is Sam Hartman got any eligibility left and he's tired of a uh, maybe he wants to work on his doctorate at Nebraska. He's, he's got, got AARP eligibility. He's got AARP yeah. eligibility. So he's going to have to nail that. Here's the thing with Nebraska. The they had one opportunity with one guy and it was Dylan Rayola. And I know that was a long shot, right? He was committed to Ohio State. He backed out. He's now committed to Georgia. Nebraska is 43 notches below either one of those teams. But there was the family tie-in, right? And I, I think there was some flirtation there. Maybe it was just, you know, making the visit for visit sakes or, or having the conversation for conversation's sake, whatever it was between Rayola and Nebraska. If they could have got him to commit, maybe that's some hope for next year. But yeah, it's like college football is very quarterback-driven now, maybe more so than ever, right? And so unless you can go out and find two, three stud running backs and like you're just going to go old school Nebraska, something like that, right? And then build up the defense, maybe that gives you a shot, but you just don't see that very often and Nebraska doesn't have the prestige they don't have the shine they don't have the allure that they used to 20 plus years ago whatever it was it's been a long long time now I don't think people realize how long it has been since Nebraska was even remotely relevant so it's going to be tough for him it's a tough ask maybe he turns it around like I said he did this he went through similar stages at Temple and Baylor, but <clears throat> I don't see it anytime real soon. It's not a quick turnaround. Even if you were to go the Dion route and bring like 60 guys in, you got to get the right 60. 
Deion Sanders has his kid. He has Travis Hunter. He has the true freshman running back that he stole from Notre Dame, the corner that he got. Nebraska doesn't have any of that. And they don't have a coach that – you look at Matt Rule. He, I, I don't want to knock the guy, but he's he's not glitz and glam. Uh, I'll tell you that. He's not like – he's not dripping in swag appealing to young players, that's for sure. So he's got to prove it with his coaching, and he hasn't thus far – other than that, Chuck, that's sort of a, a rundown of current state. I know you and I, we wanted to talk about the presser, Ryan Day's weekly presser. We wait until Tuesday for some, you know, unknown reason. Do you just want to like into the mic instead of talk about Ryan Day's coach speak where he tells us nothing, gives us nothing, nothing interesting comes out. Do you want to move on? Or was there anything out of Tuesday's presser between both Coach Day and Jim Knowles that you wanted to hit on or talk about? I'll cover the whole press conference for you here, guys, right before. Uh, it'll take about 12 seconds here. Uh, uh, right now I'm Coach Day. Yeah, we played really well. Uh, glad we got a break. Uh, looking to play better this week. We're a hungry team. And then uh, Coach Knowles said, uh, yeah, we're we're happy with where we are, uh, but we need to get better. And uh, we're hoping to do that this week. Finn. That's about it. And it's not a knock on either one of these guys. At this point, I think it's just what we're going to get from Ryan Day. Jim Knowles can be interesting at times, depending on his mood. I think he's a bit mercurial, but I, I don't know what people expected after a bye. I, I really don't. Ryan Day did talk about the quarterback sneak apparently being an Ohio State's short yardage package. I'll believe it when I see it, which is funny because Kyle McCord's not a small guy. If you want to be 80% on third or fourth and short, give it a shot. He hasn't since the Justin Fields day and whatever. Maybe that wasn't CJ Stroud's bag. Maybe it wasn't in his skill set, but I did find that interesting. You know what's not 80%? You know what's not 80% ever in the history of football? The jet sweep. There's a reason teams don't run the jet sweep on fourth and one. That, that conversation right there, we all let slide. And I agree. I let it slide because they're 4-0. They lose to Notre Dame, and he says, oh, yeah, we we got it. We, we just don't use it. After a loss is going to go over like uh, the proverbial fart in church. For sure. I think the only team that could probably get away with it and not be, you know, chastised by media and everything is today's Miami Dolphins. Maybe... Mike McDaniel gets away with it, having Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Devin A-Chain, A-Chan, whatever it is, Raheem Mostert. He's got nine guys that run a 4-3-40, and that's just sort of their offense. If you got the quarterback sneak, though, let's give it a shot. I'm sick of seeing, to your point, the sweep, the boundary run, whatever it is. Even a, a play-action pass I could do without. Just line up and get it. Jim Knowles talked about some of the rotational stuff with his defensive line. I'd like to see some more rotation, but he's given credit and kudos to JT Tuimoloau and Jack Sawyer. Nothing else really too interesting 
that came out of that other than being complimentary toward Maryland. And that sort of leads us into that. So Chuck, let's put a pin in it for now. Let's take a break and then we will come back and we will start that Maryland preview. I'm getting the head shake from you. So Chuck and I'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to Hang Out in the Holy Land, Land Grant's flagship podcast. For Chuck Holmes, I am Josh Dooley, and it is Wednesday, which means it is a preview day, a preview pod for uh, for Chuck and I. So up on the docket, up next on the docket this week is Maryland. The Terps will come into Columbus Saturday for a nooner. It's a nooner, is it not? It's a nooner. Next two weeks are nooners. Okay. And Chuck, we actually just missed out on a top 25 matchup between these two undefeated teams here as Maryland Maryland narrowly missed the cut. And they were instead, they were tops among others receiving votes. Frankly, I think Maryland deserves to be ranked, but my opinion does not matter. Look, they're 5-0. Like you said, at 5-0 is 5-0. They've played three Power 5 teams and are outscoring their opponents by an average of 25 points per game. I'll say that again. They're outscoring their opponents by an average of 25 points per game. They are 16th in scoring offense at 38.6 points per game and also 16th in scoring defense. I'm not sure how they pulled that one off at 13.2 points per game. So Chuck, First and foremost, we will start with this. Is Maryland for real? Make your case. Well, I can tell you how their scoring defense is is that good. Their last two opponents were Indiana and Michigan State. Don't give away all the stats, but generalize. Go for it. I'm not. I'm just saying those two offenses are terrible. We saw the Indiana offense, and we all know Michigan State stinks, so that helps them. Uh, To me... Legit is, are, do they have a chance to win eight or nine games? Yes, that is how legit they are. But they haven't played uh, really anybody. I know they have two Big Ten wins. Yeah, Virginia, it, it's it's so unfortunate what happened to the Virginia football program, but they are just not, they are not a good football team right now. And then they hit Charlotte and Towson. So they have not beat a really good team yet now they've handled everybody which is a sign of a good team i mean charlotte was the closest game and they they beat them by 18 points so you're talking a three score game is your closest game that part of it actually might lend some credence to ohio state will be have a better chance because they've actually played a close game and they know what that feels like that first game of the year i know uh tonga Bailoa has been in them but the whole team hasn't. And if they're on the road in a close game, some buttholes might start to pucker with 105,000 yelling at them. So it's um, they're, they're as real as a pretender in the Big Ten can get. That's sort of where I'm at, but I, I don't want to put a hoax or anything on our Buckeyes. I'm definitely having trouble trying to figure this team out. They can't help who they've played. UVA and Michigan State were not supposed to be just completely dreadful. Well, maybe UVA, but like you said, that program has been through a lot. 
regardless of who they've been playing, Mike Loxley and company are smashing their opponents. They're doing what good teams should do. Where I struggle with my evaluation is just how bad Maryland's opponents have been specifically on offense. You started to sort of go there. We expected Maryland to score, no doubt. But not to hold opponents under two touchdowns and two extra points per game. Here's where their opponents rank in points per game scored out of 133 FBS teams. Charlotte, 124. Virginia, 108. Michigan, 106. And Indiana, 113. Which is probably why the latter just fired their offensive coordinator. Right? So, they have not played an offense that is in the top 105 in scoring. They have played garbage offenses. Or... Is that because Maryland has improved on the defensive side of the ball? Well, they lost two outstanding corners from a year ago when they finished in the 40s in scoring defense. So I think that sort of tells you, right? Like, you don't lose Deontay Banks and Jacorian Bennett and get exponentially better without an influx of talent. And they, Look, they've got some guys, no doubt. But they didn't become a, a top 10 defense overnight, so... It's just tough, man, because they really haven't played anybody. They've looked impressive in doing so. They just laid it on Indiana, whereas Ohio State only beat them 23-20. to Then you look at it, okay, it was the first game of the year. That It's a lot of things to sort of throw at you and be thrown at me. I struggle with the evaluation, but I think I gravitate more towards your or toward your opinion, which is, I think they're a pretty good team. I don't think they're a very good team. And I, I think that's fair. I'm going to correct you. Ohio State beat Indiana 23 to three, not 23 to 20. It was a same thing. Freudian slip. <laughs> okay. I am. I bet the defensive staff of Maryland is telling their team, and if they don't, they're not, shame on them, the exact same. They might play your sound bites during practice on Wednesday and Thursday because if they're not saying those same exact things to their team that everybody's saying this BS and you guys aren't good enough and you haven't played anybody, shame on them. And that should be all the motivation that they should have to give them. Now, motivation's all well and good. But if you don't have the talent, and I don't think they have the talent to stay with this Ohio State offense by any stretch of the imagination, I think it'll be a long day for them. We thought that last week when we talked about it. We thought they might keep it close. They might, they will score some points because their offense is so good. But there is no way, I don't care how good they've looked at it for five weeks, there's no way they come into Ohio Stadium and hold this offense down under 30 points. There's just, there's no way. That last point is sort of the bigger thing for me. This is Maryland's second road game. You you may have mentioned this. You talked about them going on the road. They played at in East Lansing at Michigan State a couple of weeks ago. So let's just say this is their first real road game. Yeah, how many people were there? 8,000, 12,000, 11,000. 1,100 people. 
were there. I don't know. And and they sure as hell weren't rooting for that team. Yeah, it was, you know, the exchange students. They got free tickets. They don't know what they're watching. They, they just showed up to do an activity. But it, it's tricky, man. Let's just start looking at some of the positions here. We'll start with offense like we typically do. Maryland's offense is led by Talia Tagovailoa. He is a fifth-year senior with a bunch of experience. He's uh, currently completing 66% of his passes for a five-game total of 1,464 yards, 13 touchdowns with only three interceptions. That's a good number for him. He's been really good. He also has three rushing touchdowns. And we could throw certain opponents of Maryland out the window, but Tagovailoa just went 24 for 34 against Indiana for 352 yards and five touchdowns. Guess who didn't come close to putting up those stats in week one? Kyle McCord. I get it. Not apples to oranges. Or not apples to apples, I should say. I do believe in Tagovailoa, though. I, I think that he can play in the NFL. On the other hand, we've seen him sort of lose his mind and throw terrible interceptions on occasion. He has also not seen this version of Ohio State's defense. He's seen plenty of Ohio State's defense being a fifth-year guy. He has not seen the 2023 version. So where are you at on Tiger Baloa and how dangerous is he going to be to the Silver Bullets, BIA, all that good stuff? Make no mistake about it. He is the best quarterback in this game now. Whoa! Whoa! He is a better quarterback than Kyle McCord. What he is not is in a better offense. I still believe this Ohio State offense is probably better because the other players are so much better. And Kyle McCord has closed the gap significantly since that Indiana game. If Kyle McCord played Indiana last week, you could you could convince me that he would throw for four or five touchdowns as well. So he is going to be a problem. This Maryland team is going to score points. If you told me they scored 30 points Saturday, I would not be shocked. I hope not, because I don't want this to be a 35 to 31 type game. But it wouldn't shock me because they are he is a good quarterback. Like we talked about last week, I think he's a second day guy. He's a second, third round pick and a guy that can maybe he's not his brother, but if he's 80 percent of his brother right now, there's 50 or 15 teams that would take 80 percent of Tua as their starting quarterback, including maybe the Bengals right now. What you just said is the most absolute batshit crazy thing that I have ever heard <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> I can't believe you show your face around here. Let's start with the better than Kyle McCord thing. Is he more experienced? Yes. Does he have the stats? Sure. But on, that's a stretch. On. So he's played longer. His stats are better with worse weapons. You're just, you're making my point for me. No, if that's the premise, then Josh McCown is better than a rookie quarterback right now because he's played a long time and hit or miss in the offense. In college, that matters though. And you know that. Stats and starts matter. When was Tagovailoa's last 
fourth quarter comeback against the top 10 football team. I'll give you all the time in the world. I'll give you till tomorrow. Let's see if you come up with one. <laughs> so he doesn't have one. That's fair. Kyle McCord has one. Let's not act like Kyle McCord has 38 of them. He's doing it 25% not, of his career. He's not John Elway, man. He's good Lord. This is this wasn't the drive. I it was an impressive drive, and I, I enjoyed the hell out of watching it. But the body of work to me is hard to ignore. Okay. I just while you were talking, I, dude, I'm not saying this is Josh Allen versus Josh Katie Rosen Klingler here. Well, Josh Rosen, God, you can Achilles Smith. Kyle McCord is not that. Kyle McCord is a B to Tua's or Tua's, to Leah's A minus or B plus. That's the gap. It's not huge. It just exists. Uh, I just pulled up a quick little write up here. I want to give credit. This is Pro Football Network. First result on Google 511, 195. Fifth year guy. You know, NFL teams love undersized. 24-year-old quarterbacks coming in as rookies. You know this. And last year he was, yeah, 18 touchdowns, 8 picks. Massive numbers for day one prospect, according to you, Talia Tagovailoa. Two. All right, let's move on. Look, I, I do think he's a solid quarterback. I think he's got below average arm strength. Like I said, he can get sort of nuts sometimes, get frazzled and throw some poor picks. So that's why I'm not in love with him. I don't think he's really even close to his brother. But hey, I, Ohio State has had worse quarterbacks put it on them in the past. And there's still that little bit of, you know, the voice in the back of my head like, hey, it's only been a couple of games. Let's Let's give this some time. So more important for Maryland, I think is the fact that their offense is balanced. It's not all on the shoulder or arm of Tagovailoa. Roman Hemby leads the team in rushing with 309 yards and four touchdowns. He is also their pass-catching running back with 12 receptions. He is joined in the backfield by Antoine Littleton and Colby McDonald. Although the latter did not suit up against Indiana, I don't know if he's out long-term. Regardless, Littleton unlike the first part of his last name, is a truck. All right, he goes 230-plus, and then McDonald was averaging 7.8 yards per carry in his first four games. So, Chuck, the running game has to be of, I would say, equal or greater concern than the Terps' passing game if you're a Buckeye fan. Would you agree with that? Which You never would have said that last year, but do you think that Ohio State needs to be equally concerned about the pass and the run? I don't because I think they proved last week or two weeks ago. And I know Notre Dame had a couple drives there in the middle where they kind of jammed it down their throat. But these guys, this guy may be a truck, but he's not the the crew from Notre Dame. So I think the run defense is kind of going to set the tone here. And to me, the passing game is always going to be the concern until proven otherwise because of two things. One, the history of the big plays last year. That is just something that haunts every Buckeye fan. And uh, the stats showing that our defensive ends never, ever, ever actually touch the quarterback. And those two things 
are like a recipe for disaster in the wrong scenario. And there is the smallest of small potential because of this offense to give them those kind of troubles. Shootout can certainly get interesting. And as for Maryland's passing game, they get it done with four accomplished ha- four accomplished pass catchers. Jayshon Jones leads the team in both receptions and yardage with 19 and 319, respectively. But then get this, Chuck. Ty Felton, Caden Prather, and Corey Deitches all have 18 catches. Exactly 18 catches. And they are all within 85 yards of one another. That is some crazy freaking symmetry. Now, the Terps probably lack size up front. That being said, it's not mattered much against Ohio State. If the Buckeyes want to beat Maryland handily, handily, then I think they need to come up with a damn pass rush. You've said this, you've danced around it, you've hit it on the head, all of the above. Partner, I I, I think that Jack Sawyer, JT Tuimolao have to play arguably their best game. If Ohio State wants to look good and win convincingly, even if it's a freaking one-point victory, I think they have to get to Tagovailoa, shake him up a little bit, like we've seen with Iowa in the past, right? He had the game, he threw four or five interceptions. You didn't know what the hell he was doing because Iowa pressured him constantly, put him on his butt, had him seeing ghosts out there. I don't think Ohio State's going to replicate that, but they need to figure something out with a pass rush, whether it's blitzing, whether it's bringing DBs, whether it's bringing Sonny Styles, whatever it is. Because I, I think the Terps are going to score points probably no matter what. Do you agree with that? Yeah, they are. They're going to because even if they get behind, that's almost a recipe for more points, right? Because they're just going to keep pushing it and keep pushing it and keep pushing it. Loxley's not the guy, the kind of guy that's going to ever take his foot off the gas. So you're right. In order for them to make this a comfortable game, you're going to have to put him on his butt. You're going to have to make him force some of these throws that that he likes to throw, and that's how you force these turnovers. God forbid we get a strip sack and get something behind the line, like holy smokes, or get that uh, a pick off of a a tip pass or something. He gets crushed and the ball pops up in the air. Like let's get let's see the defense make those kind of plays and kind of take a little bit of pressure off the defensive backfield that doesn't have to guard for five seconds every single play. And maybe that means that they're due Ohio State's secondary, uh, or I'm sorry, their defensive line, or or both, you know, because a couple of those weapons too, Corey Deitches is like a wide receiver tight end hybrid. He's big. Jayshon Jones is another big wide receiver, I think. So there are some guys out there that's sort of similar to Notre Dame. They had some big wide receivers, and granted they – counted on and utilize their tight end, but you know, similar, but not, I like Tagovailoa. I like that. They have at least running three running backs to throw at you. And they have some weapons on the outside on the other side of the ball, though. The fact that Maryland has a top 25 defense is absolutely fluky to me. Again, I would bring up the teams they've played. And even though, even though Ohio State has not been mauling people, I still think that the Buckeyes are far superior in the trenches and at linebacker. 
Now, on the other side of the ball, talking about that Maryland defense, they are led or at least propped up by their secondary. Safety Bo Brady leads the team in tackles despite missing a game. He also led the team in tackles last year by quite a significant margin. Chuck, we've had this discussion before. You might say that you never want your safety to lead the team in tackles, but Brady also had three interceptions last year. He had eight pass breakups in his last 17 games. So he's not just a a box safety or a come down and support safety. Joining him in the secondary is cornerback Tarheeb Still, who I swear this guy's been in Maryland for seven years. But really, he's just played a lot of football. He started during the pandemic. He had 18 pass breakups in his first 14 games for the Terps. Like I think, I think in 2020 he played four games and had eight pass breakups, and then 10 the following year. And since then, whatever you know, the production hasn't been fantastic. But he does have three interceptions this year. I think he can flat out play. Behind or in front of those guys, the linebackers Ruben Hippolyte and Caleb Wheatland are third and fourth on the team in tackles, with the latter adding two and a half sacks. Maryland also has Jayshon Barham at linebacker. He's a former top ten recruit at his position. Played well as a freshman. He did have two sacks against Charlotte in week two but has otherwise not done a whole lot. He has also missed a game. And finally, up front, Maryland's defensive line is anchored by Quayshawn Fuller and Kellen Wyatt, who have combined for three and a half sacks. Tommy, don't want to mess this up. Aking Basote is the team's big run stuffer. Look, I'll just come out and say it. I think the defense is overrated due to the inferior competition they faced. But the Terps have improved. That being said, the Buckeyes have hung 99 on them in the past two years combined. So do with that information what you will. What are the matchups here? How do you see it going back and forth between Ohio State's offense and Maryland's defense, Chuck? I'm hoping they boat race them. It'd be nice to actually just go into a a game and... We saw it during... On paper, they should. On paper, they absolutely should. Absolutely. And we saw it during Youngstown State, and you kind of almost wonder, there's a scenario that they you just haven't seen it yet, that their defense isn't much better than uh, Western Kentucky's. And they just run run through them once they figure that out. Uh, It would be nice for them to put the hammer down offensively on a quote-unquote good team and not a Sunbelt Conference team. Let's go beat somebody's ass on offense, and then all of a sudden you're having a completely different conversation in the media about what the potential for this team is, if they can do that. For sure. The thing that's, I, I guess, it, I don't know if concerning is the right word, but I think about last year's game between these two teams, Maryland had... Essentially the same defense. You know, I'm looking at it. Bo Brady led the team in tackles that game. Dante Trader was second. Barham was third. Still was fourth. A lot of the guys that are on this year's team were starters last year for Maryland. And yes, they gave up 43 points. But C.J. Stroud was 18 for 30, 240 yards, one touchdown. That was the game that Dallin Hayden went bananas. He ran for a buck 53 touchdowns. 
You say maybe Ohio State can replicate that this year if they need to. Unfortunately, I've watched Ohio State run block. And so if Kyle McCord has a C.J. Stroud-esque game, which he very well could, 18 for 30, 240 and a score is not a bad game by any means, then can Travion Williams run for a buck 50? He ran for 19 yards last year in this game. So it's crazy to think that on paper, yes, Ohio State should run all over these guys or throw all over these guys or and do whatever they want. Maybe Maryland is finally turned a corner. I, I don't know. But the last year's game gives me a little bit of pause. Do you remember any of that? I, I blacked out like a lot of the nuance of it because it was such a disaster of a game of from all ends. And it was a it was an unnecessary stress on a team that didn't need it because they just flat didn't come to play. I do have to remind myself though, and I would remind you too. They held CJ Stroud in check because they had Deontay Banks and Jacorian Bennett. Two guys that are playing on Sundays. They might even both be starters in the NFL right now. They don't have those guys, and they didn't really replace them uh, to any great extent, at least. So just like I expect Maryland to put up some points, I still expect Ohio State to put up points. When you've got Marvin Harrison Jr., who we believe is extremely 100% healthy, whatever he is, and Emeka Ibuka, and all the other guys, you still got to feel good. Chuck, let's start working our way towards a prediction here. The spread is currently around 18 to 20, depending on where you look. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to lay my prediction on you? What do you want to do? No, I want you to go first this time. I think we are going to be a little bit separated in ours. Okay. I think both teams put up points. And the difference is the Ohio State has shown significant improvement on defense against real college football teams. And maybe Maryland comes to Columbus Saturday and, and they kick ass and they do the things that they've been doing against the Charlottes and Virginias of the world. But I, I'm not quite there yet. Ohio State has proven an improved pass defense against Western Kentucky a much better overall defense against Notre Dame. So I'm going to go 38-24 Buckeyes. I tweaked my prediction from our rest of the season pod that we did this past weekend. I think it's going to be closer than we want it to be, but in the end it's a two-score game for Ohio State. So 38-24, good guys. So I was way off on thinking we would be different. Because I am 38 to 21. <laughs> I, I, I thought we would uh, maybe. Uh, here's why. Here's my bold statement. They are going to be in field goal range. And a defensive end is going to get a sack on third down to knock them out of field goal range. And they're not going to be able to kick that field goal that you think they're going to kick. That's my boldest of bold predictions. A defensive end that starts for Ohio State is going to get a sack this week. For what it's worth, it is going to be about 50, 55 degrees at kickoff, uh, which is about a 30-degree difference from Friday. It's going to plummet. I always sort of worried about C.J. Stroud in cold-weather games, and he never really, I never really had a reason not to. Look, 
Kyle McCord, Jersey, Philly guy, whatever he is, he'll be fine. Maybe Tagovailoa. Well, shit, he's used to it. He's been here for 12 years. I don't think the weather will play a difference or play a factor at all, but it will be significantly different. That's just sort of a wrinkle I'd throw out there. But you and I have similar predictions. I think we've said similar things, whether that's concerns or advantages for the Buckeyes. So we're in lockstep on this one. I hope that we get a good result. And obviously Chuck will be back with Chuck and I will be back with you guys with Sunday's pod. Rain or shine, good or bad, whatever the outcome is. But for now, we're gonna go ahead and get out of here. Wait, 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 wait. Are are were we not gonna talk about them arresting the guy that was responsible for killing Tupac? Was that not on this podcast? I think that's on our other feed. That's on our other oh. channel. Like I need I need multiple hours. To get to that, I'm still processing. I'm still going through it. I'm still watching the the terrible Johnny Depp movie where I think he played one of the people involved. Like it was, or maybe that was Biggie's Killing. I don't know. I'm still watching the movie. <laughs> I start I started it when it came out, and then I just never you know picked it back up again. But no, I think we're gonna have to save that one. Tell you what, if Ohio State were to get their doors blown off, we can forget the outcome altogether. And we will talk Tupac conspiracy. You have my word. I'm here for it. Well, I take that back. I'm not here for it because if Ohio State gets their doors blown off, it's st- we're just going to be crying while we talk about Tupac. Well, and I think the powers that be might also shoot down that idea. They do want us to still be Ohio State Buckeye-centric, but we'll see. I, I think we're going to have some good things to talk about Sunday. I think it's going to be an interesting, entertaining game. So, Until then, guys, please like, rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. We enjoy the interaction, the emails. Hit us up on social media. Find us. Chuck does a lot of the tweeting on game day. No matter how he's feeling, he can get a bit froggy when things aren't going too well. So you definitely want to follow Hangout Pod. And uh, we're going to get out of here, guys. So for Chuck Holmes, I am Josh Dooley. Until next time, go Bucks.